0: Volume 2, Chapter 5, of The Heidenmauer, or The Benedictines, A Legend of the Rhine, by James Fettimore Cooper. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Joel Kendrick. The Heidenmauer, by James Fettimore Cooper, Volume 2, Chapter 5. It is scarcely necessary to explain that the man who had accompanied Ulrich and Ils to the gate of Durkheim was Heinrich Frey. No sooner had his wife disappeared and his short conference with the men on watch was ended than the Burgomaster hurried towards that quarter of the town which lay nearest to the entrance of the Jägerthal. Here he found collected a band of a hundred burghers, chosen from among their townsmen for resolution and physical force, they were all equipped according to the fashion of the times with such weapons of offense as suited their several habits and experience we might also add that as each good man on going forth on the present occasion had seen fit to consult his bosom's partner there was more than the usual display of headpieces and breastplates and bucklers when, with his followers and assured of their exactitude in numbers, the burgomaster, who was a man nowise deficient in courage, ordered the postern to be opened and issued first himself into the field. The townsmen succeeded in their allotted order, observing the most profound silence. Instead of taking the direct road to the gorge, Heinrich crossed the rivulet by a private bridge pursuing a footpath that led him up the ascent to the most advanced of the mountains on that side of the valley. The reader will understand that this movement placed the party on the hill which lay directly opposite to that of the Heidenmauer. At the period of the tale, cedars grew on the two mountains alike, and the townsmen, of course, had the advantage of being concealed from observation. A half hour was necessary to effect this lodgment, with sufficient caution and secrecy, but once made, the whole band seemed to consider itself beyond the danger of discovery. The men then continued the march with less attention to order and silence, and even their leaders began to indulge in discourse. Their conversation was, however, guarded, like that of those who felt they were engaged in an enterprise of hazard. "'Tis said, neighbor Dietrich,' commenced the burgomaster, speaking to a sturdy smith who acted on this occasion as lieutenant to the commander-in-chief, an honor that was mainly due to the power of his arm and who, emboldened by his temporary rank, had advanced nearly to Heinrich's side." "'Tis said, neighbor Dietrich, that these Benedictines are like bees who never go forth but in the season of plenty, and rarely return without rich contribution to their hive. Thou art a reflecting and solid townsman, one that is little moved by the light opinions of the idol, and a burgher that knoweth his own rights, which is as much as to say his own interests.' and one that will understandeth the necessity of preserving all of our venerable usages and laws, at least in such matters as touch the permanency of the welfare of those that may claim to have a welfare. I speak not now of the varlets who belong, as it were, neither to heaven nor earth, being condemned of both to the misery of houseless and irresponsible knaves, but of men of substance, that like thee and thy craft, pay Scott and Lot, keep bed and board, and are otherwise to be marked for their usefulness and natural rights. And this brings me to my point, which is neither more nor less than to say that God hath created all men equal. And, therefore, it is our right, no less our duty, to see that Durkheim is not wronged, especially in that part of her interests that belong, in particularity to her substantial inhabitants. Do I say that which is reasonable? Or do I deceive both myself and thee, friend Smith? Heinrich had a reputation for eloquence and logic, especially among his own partisans, and his appeal was now made to one who was little likely to refuse him any honor. Dietrich was one of those animal philosophers who seemed specially qualified by nature to sustain a parliamentary leader, possessing a good organ with but an indifferent intellect to derange its action. His mind had precisely the description of vacuum, which is so necessary to produce a good political or moral echo more particularly when the proposition is false. For the smallest addition to his capacity might have had such an effect on his replies as a sounding board is known to possess in defeating the repetitions of the voice. By Saint Benedict, Master Heinrich, he answered, for it is permitted to invoke the saint, though we so little honor his monks, it were well for Duke Friedrich had he less wine in his Heidelberg tuns, and more your wisdom in his counsels. What you have just proclaimed is no other than what I have myself thought these many years, though never able to hammer down an idea into speech so polished and cutting as this of your worship. Let them that deny what I say take up their weapons, and I will repose on my sledge as on an argument not to be answered. We must in sooth see Durkheim righted, and more is the need, since there is this equality between all men as hath just been so well said." Nay, this matter of equality is one much spoken of, but as little understood. Look you, good Dietrich, give me thy ear for a few minutes, and thou shalt get an insight into its justice. Here are we of the small towns born with all properties, and once of those in your large capitals. Are we not men to need our privileges? Or are we not human that air is unnecessary for breath? I think thou wilt not gainsay either of these truths. He that would do it is little better than an ass. This being established, therefore, not remains but to show the conclusion. We, having the same rights as the largest towns in the empire, should be permitted to enjoy them, else is language little better than mockery, and a municipal privilege of no more value than a serf's oath. This is so clear. I marvel any should deny it. And what say they of the village, Master Burgomaster? Will they think you sustain us in this holy cause? Nay, I touch not on the villages, good smith, since they have neither burgomasters nor burghers, and where there is so little to sustain a cause, of what matter is resistance. I speak chiefly of ourselves, and of towns having means, which is a case so clear that it were manifest weakness to confound it with any other. He that hath right of his side were a fool to enter into league with any of doubtful franchises." All have their natural and holy advantages, but those are the best, which are most clear by their riches and force. I pray you, worshipful Heinrich, grant me but a single favor, and you love me so much as a hare. Name thy will, Smith, that I may speak of this among the townsmen. Such wisdom and conclusion so evident should not be cast to the winds. Thou knowest I do not discourse for vain applause. By my father's bones, I will touch upon it with discretion, most honorable burgomaster, and not as one of vain speech. Your honor knows the difference between a mere street babbler and one that hath a shop. Have it as thou wilt, but I take not the merit of originality, for there are many good and substantial citizens, and some statesmen who think much in this manner. Well, it is happy that God hath not gifted all alike, else might there have been great and unreasonable equality and some would have arrived to honors they were little able to bear. But having so clearly explained your most excellent motives, worshipful Heinrich, will it condescend to lighten the march by an application of its truth to the enterprise on which we go forth? That may be done readily, for no tower in the plotinet is more obvious. Here is Limburg, and Jan is Durkheim. Rival communities, as it were, in interest and hopes and of necessity by little disposed to do each other favor nature which is a great master of all questions right and wrong saith that durkheim shall not harm limburg nor limburg durkheim is this clear himmel as the flame of a furnace honorable burgomaster Now, it being thus settled, that there shall be no interference in each other's concerns, we yield to necessity and go forth armed in order to prevent Limburg from doing wrong to a principle that all men admit to be inviolable. You perceive the nicety. We confess that what we do is weak in argument, and the greater need it should be strong in execution. We are no madcaps to unsettle a principle to gain our ends, but then all must have heed to their interests, and what we do is with a reserve of doctrine. This relieves my soul from a mountain, exclaimed the smith, who had listened with a sort of earnestness that denotes honesty of purpose. Not can be more just and woe to him than shall gainsay it, while back of mine carries harness. In this manner did Heinrich and his lieutenant lighten the way by subtle discourse, and by arguments that we feel some consciousness may subject us to the imputation of plagiarisms, But for which we can vouch as genuine on the authority of Christian Kinzel, already so often named. The high and disinterested intellect that is active in regulating the interests of the world has been so often alluded to in other places and on different occasions that it is quite useless to expatiate on it here. We have already said that Heinrich Frey was a stout friend of the conservative principle, which, reduced to practice, means little more than that they shall get who have the power, and they shall keep who can. Justice, like liberality, has great reservations, and perhaps there are few countries in the present advanced condition of the human species that does not daily employ some philosophy of the same involved character as this of Heinrich, supported by reasoning as lucid, irresistible, and nervous. The direction in which the band of Durkheimers proceeded led them by a torturous way, it is true, but surely to the side of the valley on which the castle of Hartenberg stood, Heinrich, however, brought his followers to a halt long before they had made the circuit which would have been necessary to reach the hold of Count Emick. The place he chose for the collection and review of the band was about midway between Durkheim and the castle, pursuing a line that conformed to the sinuosities and variations of the foot of the mountain. It was in an open grove where the shadows of the trees effectually concealed the presence of the unusual company, here refreshments were taken by all, for the good people of the town were much addicted to the practices of this consolatory nature, and the occasion must have been doubly urgent that could induce them to overlook the calls of the appetite. "'Seest thou aught of our allies, a Smith?' demanded Heinrich of a lieutenant who had been sent a short distance along the brow of the hill to reconnoiter. "'It were unseemly in men so trained as our friends to be lacking at need.' "'Doubt them not, Master Heinrich.' I know the knaves well. They merely tarry to lighten their packs by the way, and consumptions like this of our own. Dost see the manner in which the Benedictines affect tranquility, worshipful Burgomaster? Tis their usual ghostly hypocrisy, brave Dietrich, but we shall uncloak them. Good will come of our enterprise, for, of a truth, by this spirit on our part, which shall forever demonstrate the necessity of not meddling in the concerns of a neighbor. We settle all uncertainties between us. By the kings of gold, is it to be tolerated that a gownsman shall hoodwink a townsman to the day of judgment? Is there not a light in the Abbey Chapel? The reverend fathers pray against their enemies. Dost think, worshipful Burgomaster, that the tale concerning the manner in which those heavy stones were carried upon Limburg Hill has received small additions by oft-telling? It may be thus, Dietrich. "'For not, unless it may be damp snow, gaineth more by repeated rolling than your story.' And gold rejoined the smith, chuckling in a manner not to displease his superior, since it palpably intimated the idea he entertained of the Burgomaster's success in accumulating money, an idea that is always pleasant to those who deem prosperity of this nature to be the principal end of life. "'Gold well rolled, increases marvelously!' I am of your mind, Master Heinrich, for to speak truth, I much question whether the evil spirit would have troubled himself with so light an affair as carrying the smaller materials afoot. As to the heavy columns and the hewn keystones, with other loads of weight, it was not so much beneath his character, and may be considered as probable. I have never contradicted that part of the legend, for it hath likelihood to back it, but ha, here comes the sucker. The approach of a band of men, who came from the direction of Hartenberg, always keeping along the margin of the hills and within the shadows, absorbed all attention. This second party was treble the force of the townsmen. Like them, it was armed, and, like them, it showed every sign of military preparation. When it had halted, which it did at a little distance from the band of Heinrich, as if it were not deemed advisable to blend the two bodies in one, a warrior advanced to the spot where the burgomaster had taken post the newcomer was well but lightly armed wearing a headpiece and harness and carrying his sword at rest who leadeth the Durkheimers? he demanded when near enough to trust his voice their poor burgomaster in person would there had been a better for the duty welcome worshipful sir "'said the other, bowing with more than usual respect. "'In my turn I come at the head of Count Emick's followers. "'How art thou styled, brave captain? "'Tis a name but little worthy to be classed with yours, Herr Frey. "'But such as it is, I disown it not. "'I am Burkhold Hintermeyer. Umph, "'A young leader for so grave an enterprise. "'I had hoped for the honor of thy lord's company. "'I am commanded to explain this matter to your worship.' Burkhold then walked aside with the Burgomaster while Dietrich proceeded to take a nearer view of the Allied force. It is well known to most of our readers that every baron of note, at that time of which we write, entertained more or fewer dependents who, succeeding to the regularly banded vassals of the earlier ages, held a sort of middle station between the servitor and the soldier. There stands a noble ruin called Pierrefont. Within a day's ride of Paris and on the very verge of a royal forest, a forest that in some of its features approaches nearer to an american wood than any we have yet met in the other hemisphere which castle of pierrefont is known to have been the hold of one of these warlike nobles who did many and manifest wrongs to the lieges of the king even in an age considerably later than this of our tale In short, European society just then was in the state of transition, beginning to reject the trammels of feudalism and struggling to wear its bonds, at least in a new and less troublesome form. But the importance and political authority of the Counts of Linogen fully entitled them to preserve a train that barons of lesser note were beginning to abandon. And consequently, all of their castles had many of these loose followers who have since been entirely superseded by the regularly embodied and trained troops of our own time the smith found much to approve and something to censure in the party that burkhold had led to their support so far as recklessness of character and object audacity in acts and indifference to moral checks were concerned a better troop could not have been desired for more than half of them were men who lived by the excesses of the community occupying exactly that position in the social scale that fungi do in the vegetable, or that sores and blotches fill in the physical economy of the species. But in respect to Thus and Sinews, a primary consideration with the smith in estimating the value of every man he saw, they were much inferior as a body to the townsmen in whom orderly living, gainful, and regular industry had permitted the animal to become developed. There was, however, a band of peasants drawn from among the mountains, or inhabitants of the hamlet beneath the castle walls, who, though less menacing in air and bold of speech, were youths that Dietrich thought only required the Durkheim training to become heroes. When Heinrich and Burkhold rejoined their respective followers after the private discourse, all discontent was banished from the former's brow and both immediately occupied themselves in making the dispositions necessary to the success of the common enterprise. The wood in which they had halted lay directly opposite to the inner extremity of the abbey hill from which it was separated by a broad and perfectly even meadow. The distance, though not great, was sufficient to render it probable, that the approach of the invaders would be seen by some of the sentinels, who, there was little doubt, the men-at-arms led by the elector to the monks, maintained were it only for their own security. Limburg was not a fortress, its impunity being due altogether to the moral power that the church, to which it belonged, still wielded, though it were so much weakened in that part of Germany. But its walls were high and solid, its towers numerous, its edifices massive, and all was so disposed that a body within, resolutely bent on resistance, might well have set at defiance a force like that which now came against it. Of all these truths, Heinrich was sensible." for he had shown courage and gained experience in the defense of places during a life that was now past its meridian, and which had been necessarily spent amid the tumults and contentions of that troubled age. He looked about him, therefore with greater seriousness, in order to ascertain on whom he might rely, and the fine and collected deportment of Burkhold Hintermeyer gave him that sort of satisfaction which brave men feel by communion with kindred spirits in the moment of danger. When every necessary disposition was made, the party advanced, moving deliberately to preserve their order and conscious that breath would be necessary in mounting the steep acclivity. Perhaps there is no time in which the ingenuity of man is more active than in those moments when he has a sensitive consciousness of being wrong and consequently a fervish desire to vindicate his works or act to himself as well as to others a deep conviction of truth and the certainty of being right fortifies the mind with a high moral dignity that even disinclines it to the humility of vindication. Thus, he who rushes from a dispute in which his own convictions cause him to distrust his own arguments into rash and general asseverations betrays the goadings of conscience rather than spirit and weakens the very cause that it may be his wish to establish." An arrogant assumption of knowledge, especially in matters that our previous habits and education rather disqualify than teach us to comprehend, can only lead to contradiction and detection. And although circumstances may lend a momentary and fallacious support to error, the triumph of truth is as certain as its punishments are severe. Happily, this is an age in which no sophistry can long escape unscathed, nor any injury to natural justice go long unrequited. No matter where the wrong to truth has been committed, on the throne or in the cabinet, in the senate or by means of the press, society is certain to avenge itself for the deceptions of which it has been the dupe, and its final judgments are recorded on that opinion which lasts long after the specious triumphs of the plausible are forgotten. It were well that they who abused their situations, by a reckless disregard of consequences, in order to obtain a momentary object, oftener remembered this fact, For they would spare themselves the mortification, and in some cases the infamy, that is so sure to rest on him who disregards right to attain an end. Heinrich Frey greatly distrusted the lawfulness of the enterprise in which he was engaged. For, unlike his companions, he had the responsibility of advising, as well as that of execution on his head. He had, therefore, a restless wish to find reasons of justification for what he did, and as he marched slowly across the meadows, with Burkhold and the smith at his side, his tongue gave utterance to his thoughts. There cannot be any manner of doubt of the necessity and justice of what we do to Limburg, Master Hintermeyer. he said, for men usually affirm in all dubious cases with a confidence precisely in an inverse ratio to the distrust they feel of the rectitude of their cause, "'Else why are we here? Is Limburg forever to trouble the valley and the plain, with its accursed exactions and avarice? Or are we slaves for shaven monks to trample on?' "'There are sufficient reasons of a truth for what we do, Herr Burgomaster,' answered Burkhold, whose mind had taken a strong bias to the new change in religious opinions that were then fast gaining ground. "'When we have so good motives, let us look no farther.' nay young man i am certain that the honest smith here will say no nail he drives into a hoof can be too well clenched that fact is out of all question master burkhold answered dietrich and therefore must his worship be right and the whole argument let it be so i shall never gainsay the necessity of breaking up a nest of drones I call them not drones, young Burkhold, nor do I come to break them up, but simply to show the world that he who would deal with the affairs of Durkheim hath need of a lesson to teach him not to enter his neighbour's grounds. This is wholesome and will bring great credit on our town, responded the smith. The more the pity that we do not press the same matter home upon the elector too, who hath of late raised new pretensions to our earnings. With the elector, the affair may not be discussed, for his interference is of too strong a quality to call upon our manhood in maintaining the right of non-interference. These subtle questions of law are not to be learned over a furnace, but need nice capacities to render them clear, but clear they are to all who have the power to understand them. It is more than probable that to thee, Dietrich, they are not so manifest. But wert thou one of the town council? Thou shouldst look into the question with different eyes." "'That I doubt not, Honorable Heinrich. That I doubt not. Could but such an honor light on one of my name and breeding, Himmel. The worshipful council should find a man ready to believe any nicety of this sort, or indeed of any other sort.' "'Ha! There's a light at yonder loop,' exclaimed Burkhold. "'This bodes well. Hast a friend in the abbey? Go to, Herr Burgomaster. This touches on excommunication, but I much like yon light at the loop.' "'Let there be silence,' whispered Heinrich to those in his rear who passed the order to their fellows. "'We draw near.' The party was now at the foot of the hill. Not a sign of their approach being known had yet met them, unless a single taper placed at a dungeon loop could thus be interpreted. On the contrary, the stillness already described in the approach of Ulrich reigned over the whole of the vast pile, but neither Heinrich nor his companion liked this fearful quiet, for it boded a defense the more serious when it did come.' They would have greatly preferred an open resistance, and nothing would have more relieved the minds of the two leaders than to have been able to command a rush under a hot discharge from the arquebusiers of Duke Friedrich. But this relief was refused them, and the whole band reached a point of the hill under a flanking tower, where it became necessary to abandon all idea of cover, and to make a swift movement to gain the road. It was the rush of this evolution which first disturbed the monks in the chapel." The second interruption proceeded from the ruder sounds of the assault that immediately after was made upon the outer gate itself. End of volume two, chapter five, read by Joel Kendrick.